time to unleash chapter 96 of our podcast. Good news. And Jeff is fighting off some chest, throat, some kind of thing. So I'll be doing most of the talking. On this week's chapter, we will talk about everything from upside down village signs to some of the strangest French Christmas customs. Can you believe the morning we just had? You know... Every morning seems to be like the like, one we had today. Did in another life, I'm just asking this. Uh-huh. Did we like kick some blind kittens in another life or some? I don't know. It just kind of, it kind of seems like the karma wheel is. Uh, Holy hell! Is running over us. <laughs> so this <laughs> morning, <laughs> all of a sudden, no internet, and you know we're getting the show ready. And so for the last, literally the set last six hours, that's why this is probably dropping a little late, not that you may know. But, you know, for the last six hours, we've been trying to diagnose the problem and uh, ended up being one of the routers and, you know. Yep, you know, three or four phone calls and stress and, and yeah. Uh, and I'm not even going to get into our fiber issues because it's just so negative right now. But <laughs> it's just... Because it just, you solve one problem and four more sprout up. Anyway, so that's where we're at, and we're finally up and running here. But it was a a morning and a half. But listen, I'm going to tell you something right now about our 100th episode, and hopefully, God willing, uh, you know. We're alive for it? Well, yeah, and that's the other thing is I'm sick as a dog, as you can probably hear, uh, you know, and so uh, dealing with this internet thing this morning and being sick, and, you know, I'm just trying to fit this in actually today to make sure my voice can make it all the way through. But I will tell you this, that we have scheduled some really interesting, fun ideas for our 100th. And we've got all kinds of support from our friends, and we're starting to get uh, questions. And again, we, we really encourage you to go to the Facebook page and uh, let us know about anything that you would like to have answered or for us to explore on the 100th, because the idea is to you know, pass that episode over to you, right? Yeah. And hopefully, you know, you guys will come up with some stuff. It might be about one of our episodes. It might be about France in general. Could be about us. It could be... How to, how to leave France. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we, do, we do have a question. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but from Leslie Taylor. Uh-huh. And uh, she has asked me uh, to, uh, asked us to uh, provide some information, which we will get to on our hundredth, but okay. in in doing so, she also said, "By the way, I graduated from the English side of Villa Maria, the school that Julie went went to when mm-hmm. she was little in nineteen eighty one." And ah. so I said, "Hey, thanks very much. We're all over it. We'll get mm-hmm. that information to you on the hundredth. And then I said, uh, "By the way, uh, did you get a Medal of Honor like Julie did when she was at Villa Maria?" And Leslie said. I don't recall any medals of honor. I don't think they had medals of honor on the English side. Oh. I think it was only on the French side. And now let me remind you oh. that this was only in elementary school. So primary, one to six, right? So, uh, you know, there, there's uh, there's probably a bit of an age difference between Leslie and I. Or a remembering difference. No, I swear to I think I even have photos. If it, they're somewhere in our barn, I think I think honestly, like you were the only one who expressed any interest in learning, and so I think the nuns just said, 
hey, let's just <laughs> let's shut her up. No. Give her the medal. Put her in the front row. Put a crown on her if you have to. <laughs> just shut her up. No, no. I, I, well, so I was very well respected in school. Like, sh- can I tell you the to- oh, oh, toilet that, paper? That's caper? right. You have the toilet paper caper. Yeah. So <laughs> this was not even elementary. I was, I was more mature, but I was a bit impish back then. And um, back then, uh huh. And so I incited um, my my colleagues, my schoolmates, to steal all the toilet paper from the bathrooms. <laughs> And wrap the toilet paper around the statues of... Like the baby Jesus and stuff? Virgin Mary <gasps> and baby Jesus. And, Holy. Because these were all exterior statues. Mm-hmm. And so they were wrapped with multiple layers of toilet paper. And um, so Mother Superior was not happy. There's a Mother Superior there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess she wouldn't have been. Yeah, anyway, um, so my my schoolmates um, got called in and got suspended from school. And I decided to go and, and visit her and let her know that I'm the one who started the whole thing. And Little Miss Medal of Honor. Yep, and she did not believe me. So I, I never got suspended. So she said, oh, Julie, that's very thoughtful yes. of you to come in and stick up for your schoolmates. That's right. But we know that you're yep. a Medal of Honor student and you yep. would never do something like that. Yep. So I was shining my halo and um, yeah, so I, I never got punished for that and I was totally responsible. Wow. You know, you uh, you 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 almost live like a, a split split personality life, don't you? No, not really. You're this little cherub on one side and then, you know, like some hellion on the other. It's nothing that is harmful. It's just playful. No, I know. I did all kinds of stuff like that. I remember getting caught by the RCMP chucking eggs into a drive-in. RCMP? Yeah, the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Of course, of course. But, you know, that outranks Mother Superior by a long shot. Exactly. Okay. So there are some changing... uh, rules in terms of uh, speeding violations. Well, speaking of violations. Yeah, I know. All right. Well, you you know all about that. Yeah. Well, and... oh, p- please bring it on because I'm I'm well versed <laughs> in uh, all matters of speeding violations here. So, remember when you got like your 25 mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um tickets. S- speeding tickets? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so you would receive the notice and it would say so you were three kilometers over the speed limit. Mm-hmm. You are now going to lose a point, and you you need to pay 135 euros. Correct. Now, you will receive the paper, yes. and it will say you need to pay 135 euros. If you have sped under five kilometers over the speed limit, there's no no longer a, a point deduction. Oh, that's good news. Yeah. So you don't lose the point, but you still have to pay. Oh, okay. But only if it's five or fewer kilometers over right. the speed limit. Exactly. So exactly. if 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 you if you're doing a buck thirty in a, uh, or sorry, if you're doing uh, say seventy in a forty, you pay. You're in trouble. And you get your points. Yeah. I see. Yeah. All right. But you know, uh, I, I think that's really good. But you know, there's there's a, a forty thousand or sorry forty million drivers club here in in France, and they still don't think that's good enough. That it, if it's only like a five kilometer yeah. difference, there shouldn't be any repercussion. No, exactly. Them. And yeah. and and here's the thing: those things are dialed up to a sort of a plus minus of a couple of uh, 
uh, kilometers per hour. Yeah. So if it if you're uh, in an 80 and they catch you going 82, you don't get the ticket. So it's really kind of what we're talking about here is three or four kilometers. Yeah. An hour over the speed limit. Yeah, and and we know it. It's it. It really is just a way to pay for the roads. Yeah. Like it's it's a cash grab. It's yeah. Someone who's going two kilometers over the speed limit is not dangerous. Well, and I will say this. Roads are in good shape. The roads mm-hmm. here, uh, you don't see a gravel road. Never. Like, you just don't. And, I mean, we're in the midst of where you would see a gravel road if this were to be Canada. Mm-hmm. Like, w- when we left Canada, we were 20-plus years living on a gravel road in Rockwood, which is just we were just outside of, you know, Acton. So, you know, fairly close to, you know, the world. And because it was a, all the roads around us were paved, but because it was a town line road, Aaron wouldn't pave it and uh, Aaron Aramosa wouldn't pave it. So, uh, and it's still unpaved. Here, you do not have this problem. No, I mean, they're one lane lane roads and, and they expect two cars to be able to pass each other, but they're paved. But they're paved, or chip and tar, as close as you can get. So uh, I, I will say this in, in favor of the, the tickets, that I think they do get put to good use. See, in Canada, and I don't know if this is still the case, I still think the government uses this money for other things, but in Canada, uh, all gas taxes were supposed to, you know, ostensibly go to the repair of roads. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still the case. You know, when you go to the gas station, pump. Well, it's, and, it's much more difficult in North America where you get frost. Oh, I know. To keep the roads in good shape. I mean, that's why Europe has, you know, beautiful black tar. Oh, and you Like know. you go to, you go to the strangest places. Like you go to the south of, of Spain and like a sort of maybe a poverty region. And then you hit the expressway. And it is just black top from heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, well, so they really they've do. They've got the weather, though. Yeah, no, that's what, they, to your point, exactly. Yeah, but if you're traveling on a road in rural France right now, you will probably see a bunch of village signs that are turned upside down. Yeah, so I, I saw this firsthand about, I'm going to say, three weeks, a month ago, and on our own local town, the, the town that's... The closest to us, Dose. And uh, it, I, I said, why is that sign upside down? It didn't look, I thought, oh, maybe maybe it need, it's going to be replaced and they're turning them upside down so that, I don't know, like I couldn't figure it out. And then we went and then I saw Beauville and Beauville's sign was upside down. And then when we went to La Roque, uh, what was Temple. it? Temple. Their sign was upside down and then, okay, something's up. Yep. So it started in Tarn. And it's the the uh, young farmers, uh, les jeunes ag- agriculteurs. Um, they're protesting some of the uh, some of the, the, the issues that they have with the French government, and so they're turning signs upside down to say that they're, in other words, walking on their heads. They're having a very hard time with diesel taxes, with imports, with changing laws, with with subsidies arriving late. Um, all of those things. So. Interestingly enough, like the villages are deciding to just leave them that way for now, Good not for turning them back over yeah. until everything is kind of settled and, and calmed. But, you know, it, the, the the French farmers ha- have suffered quite a bit. I, I mean, I know that it's it's a hard life no matter which country you're farming in. But, you know, there, there were over 750,000 farms at the turn of the century. And now there are only 450 because... Most of them can't make a living. Uh, you know, 
uh, two out of out out of five French farmers earn less than forty five hundred euros a year. Forty five hundred. Hundred, and if they didn't have the subsidies from Brussels, they would be at a loss. So there's something really wrong with the system. And France receives like I think something like seven point five billion euros a year, more than any other country. And they're really having a, a hard go of it. Um, the other factor that plays into it is the fact that more than half of, of France's remaining farmers are about to retire. Oh, my God. And and yeah, a lot of the family, like the sons and stuff, aren't picking up. They the, don't want, yeah. Because it's just, it's so hard. Like, it's hard being a farmer, period. But we have so many friends who are farmers, both in Canada and here. And it's just hard because, first of all, your entire livelihood is based on the weather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here... It can go in a blink in August. It can just go in a blink, and if you don't have irrigation, you're toast. Yeah, I mean, we have, we have a friend, and, and the number one topic, and she's a, she uh, is a farmer, has this amazing uh, pruneau d'agent verger, and the number one topic is always the weather. It's always either too much rain or it's too cold or it's too sunny or it's too yeah. too dry. Too windy. And, yeah. and you're at the mercy of the elements. Yeah. It's, it's it's crazy. And then you are now uh, at, at the uh, mercy of... Uh, the value of, you know, what you can get for your crop, which changes every year based mm-hmm. on de- demand. Yeah. And uh, this is why they're always nose to the grindstone about this time of year trying to figure out what to plant, even though they're they're on a rotation typically. But, you know, there was a time there, oh, there was a there was tournesol uh, shortage. So the next year there was all kinds of uh, sunflowers. And, you know, it, it, this is this, how... It, this year was wheat, I think. This year was wheat and, you know, it's... Pff, and then it's going to be corn. And uh, so there's that. And then what it, this almost makes it understandable why some of these farmers are opting for the solar. And because the solar and this is, again, the bane of our existence here is the solar allows for a guaranteed harvest of dollars at the end of every year, which is predetermined by the solar company who's paying uh, to, to build the solar farm on this land that they're renting from the farmer. The farmer really doesn't have much to worry about because he gets this guaranteed chunk of change at the end of every year. And uh, I don't think it's a whole lot, but it's certainly... Well, it's more than 4,500 euros. Yeah, that's right. I, you uh, know, like uh, our, our problem is a, a five-hectare uh, field, and apparently it's 3,000 euros per hectare per year that this farmer will make. So that puts him at 15,000 euros without lifting a finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's a problem, and France really has to pay attention. Because, oh, this is a major slippery slope. Yeah. It, it, it could be really nasty for rural France, their landscapes, their heritage. Um, you know, I, I think it could be very damning if they're, they're not smart with some of their legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't able to get out to a market because I've been really sick this week. And I mean... He's been boy sick. Man like, sick. Uh, well... No, no, man... What? Meh. What do you mean? Kind of boy sick. Like, you're man sick, you would be in, like, in bed, like, almost dying. And you were... Oh, I, I, that's where I should be, but I'm pulling it together. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, no, you've had the sniffles and the chills. Oh, don't say sniffles. This is way, <laughs> and chills. I've been coughing my lungs. I've been coughing so hard. I've got like, like, like I got ab pain, like I've been trying to do 200 sit-ups. You might have yeah. a six-pack. Oh, yeah, I don't think so. I wish. <laughs> 
and just cough in my guts. I got whiplash. That's what I've got. I've been coughing so hard. So uh, we weren't able to get the. What I'm trying to say is we weren't able to get out to a an outdoor market here this week. So we're you know we will try next week. Hopefully, I'll be feeling better and uh, we'll yeah, be able to do that. Let's hope because you know <sighs> what people who are man sick are really needy. <laughs> I'm just saying. Pam. <laughs> Can Pam. you get me the Kleenex? One Can of the, you make me some tea? One of the best commercials ever. Remember <laughs> that one from a few years ago? I don't. Oh, the guy laying in bed. Pam. <laughs> Pam. That's <laughs> the best. So in its place, mm-hmm. uh, I thought I would dig up some very, very strange French Christmas customs or traditions. And I found a list on your favorite little website the local. the local the local they're an english news organization and yeah. and they're very informative yeah so we we've uh, you actually made a comment on their website which they accepted and posted that's yeah, kind of nice about the farmers about the farmers and, and the field mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know they're uh, so we've subscribed to their service it's it's really good and and this one dates back to 2019 um, and so these are some of the strange customs from around France. And okay. I got to tell you, they are some, some weird ones. All right, let's go. Floating carolers hmm? in the Colmar. Who? Uh, yeah, well, okay. So it's a little village called the Venice of Colmar in northeastern France. Children decked out in red Santa hats sing Christmas carols on boats along the canal, which is kind of neat, actually. Uh, they make four stops throughout the city center performing four or five songs each time to the audience gathered on the key. Okay, on the on the key, on the harbor key? Yeah, yeah. Uh, many of them only join the choir for this event, director Evelyn Fleck told uh, the magazine. Uh, what they really love is singing all huddled together on the boats in the cold at night in front of large crowds. Well, it's, you're really selling the sizzle for me, but no, this is what they do. And they, you know, it's freezing cold and they put their children on the boat and they go off and freeze and sing. So there's, That's charming. Yeah. Oh, wait, it gets better. Okay. Santa's Descent. In 1966, the northern city of, and it's a D and then four vowels, D-O-U-A-I. Doui? Doué. Doué. Okay, the northern, these are all northern cities. They, they don't have a lot of to, to do up there, I, I sense. Became the first to uh, feature the spectacle of Santa Claus rappelling down the Belfry Tower with his elves as the town looks on. About a dozen climbers rappel down the tower for the event each year. In 2018, a young man fell to his death during the rehearsal for the Gross. event. I know. Oh, no, that's so sad. Oh, yeah, that's very sad. Merry oh. Christmas. Um, and uh, at the zoo, uh, there's a zoo uh, de la Fleche in Le Mans. You know where they have the races? Mm-hmm. And uh, what they do is they throw like the, uh, you know, the, the lions and stuff. They, they put like, I don't know, a pork sandwich inside a, a, a gift. People stand around and watch and they chuck these, these gifts into the lion's den and they just absolutely maul them and, and, open, and eat them. That's, huh. that's Merry Christmas to them right there. Wow. A great deal of enthusiasm, they say. Wow. These th- these are all kind of... Oh, we, we're just... No, this is kind of grotesque, yeah, though. Th- th- a lot of this is very disturbing, and we're just we're just getting there. Okay. The, to, here's another one now. This is uh, the 13 d- desserts in Provence, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, one dessert, not enough. Mm-hmm. Because uh, in uh, Provence, it's a tradition to have 13 desserts. We've talked about this before. Oh, we have? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now we're talking about it again. 
Um, and uh, they share by everyone, symbolizing the sharing of Christ. These desserts traditionally include pastries, candied fruit, dried fruit, nougat, and a vomit bag. <laughs> Uh, designer Christmas trees. Uh, uh-huh. d- have we talked about this? Where the, you know, the uh, Chanel and Karl Lagerfeld and all these people? No, you no. don't. Okay, okay no. so then I'll, I'll continue. Uh, they have an annual exhibition of reimagined Christmas trees created by these big names. All these, you know, uh, avant-garde houses. You know, the the fashion fashion high houses. fashion. Yeah. So they. Decorate. A, they decorate yeah. a tree. They. They. Yeah. They decorate a tree. I mean, I think it's more than decorate. They. They design and, uh, and uh, like it's. They don't just buy a tree and decorate it. They design. Like they make a tree somehow, and um, and then they put them all on the Champs Elysees, and um, hmm. and then they sell them. And after the show, they're auctioned off, and all the proceeds go to charity. So oh, that's I like kind of that. a neat thing. Yeah. That's good. Dior, Louis Vuitton, all these, all these people. Huh. Chanel, Jean-Paul Gaultier, all those people. They do this. Okay, so that's a tradition. So I guess if you go to the Champs de Lisée during Christmas, you're going to see all of these. Uh, yeah, it's a nice thing to see. High-end designer Christmas trees. The Corsican Christmas fire in Corsica, a Yule log, takes the form of a bonfire lit in front of the village church after the midnight mass on uh, Christmas Eve. Traditionally, it's up to the children of the village, again with the children, uh, to go and gather all the logs and branches that have to come from the fields and yards of the village. Once the fires died out the next day, the villagers are welcome to come and collect some of the still warm cinders to put in their own fireplaces. Okay. Yeah. Merry Christmas to you. I mean, I guess that dates back to the time where that was your only form of heat. Yes. And maybe it's like, hey, Hey, here's a gift. No, you know what? In rural France, that's still yeah, it is mainly for most people yeah. the only source of heat. Yeah, it heat. Is. So, and this one, this is the winner of them all. This is called Santa's Nemesis. You'll love this Christmas tradition. The city of Wisembourg, again in northern France, up in Alsace, puts on an nocturnal parade, including torchlight procession. And a light show. The principal character of the parade is Hans Trapp. Now listen to this character, okay? He's known in regional folklore as a wild man dressed all in black with chains and large boots who carries a baton and a large sack designed to strike fear in the hearts of all children. Now just to offset the years of potential psychological therapy, (laughs) this wonderful tradition may inflict on the kids... Mr. Trap is accompanied by, that's right, the baby Jesus, who tosses out <laughs> sweets to the terrified, cowering children. And that's... that is a wrap on the weirdest. Uh, no, I've got something. Oh, you have something. I do. Okay. Okay. So, do you know that it's a law in France since 1962 that any card written to Santa Claus has to be answered? Oh, come on. Mm-hmm. So it, this is in coordination with La Poste. Um, there's a town right outside of Bordeaux called Libourne, and there are 60 elves, let's just say, um, that are hired from November 14th to December 22nd to answer any of the cards that they get that are addressed to Père Noël. 
And now it's it's a more modern day, so there's also a, a website that the kids can send an email to, and that's Père Noël uh, dot la poste. Yeah, but I think they do this in Canada, too. Do they? Yeah, yeah. They, they send something back if it goes through Canada Post. I mean, they, they don't get it for three years. But <laughs> but here, all you have to do is put on your envelope, Père Noël, and it will get to them. Huh. And they have to send back uh, an answer. It, and they, they tell the kids, make sure that you, you put your return address so that mm-hmm. we can send you back a, you know, a note. But I thought that was kind of a very sweet thing. They also encourage kids to make like drawings and 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 print images um, that they can then deliver to children who are in hospitals. Ah. so I, I thought that's that a was, nice tradition. Yeah, it's a. I, I I like I like the fact that you write to Santa. And yeah. We should try it maybe and see if you get an answer. Um, okay, that brings me to the French phrase of the day. All right, the French phrase of the day, and it has to do with what? The post office? Does it have to do with Santa? Oh, Père Noël. Père Noël. Uh, Holy! Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is like five lines long, and you wrote it, which means I'm never going to be able to understand (laughs) it. So I thought it was a a double challenge, because this morning we couldn't print anything because we didn't have any internet. Um, So I hand-wrote this particular citation, which is written by someone anonymous. So when you were at Villa Maria, uh-huh. you, you didn't have any classes on how to write and how to teach somebody how to write legibly? Did you not? Uh, I bet you didn't get a Medal of Honor in that class. That's all I'm you saying. You know what? I just want to say that you're right. My my handwriting is a bit flowery, <clears throat> but um, it's still legible. Yeah, okay. All right. Sure. So, uh, you keep convincing yourself of that. All right. I here we will go. Uh, read it right now. Please do. Il y a quatre âges dans la vie d'un homme. Celui où il croit au Père Noël, celui où il ne croit plus au Père Noël, celui où il est le Père Noël, celui où il ressemble au Père Noël. Okay, I think I know. I think, I, I think I've got this. Oh, that's good. I'm no, glad. It's well, a long th- one, too. Well, I know. There's a lot of repetition in uh, here, and we uh, just learned the cellulite, so uh-huh. I think I've got this thing. Okay, okay so... Okay. I, uh, il y a quatre âges uh, dans la vie d'un homme. There mm. are four ages in the life of a fella. Yep. Uh, the one where he believes in Santa Claus. Yes. The one where he doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Yes. Uh, the one where he is Santa Claus. Yes. And the one where he resembles Santa Claus. Yes. Well, I know which one I'm in now. You did the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny when you came out of the bathroom today and you said you shaved off your your beard because you look like some kind of homeless person. Well, I look, no, I look like a serial killer. <laughs> it's just like, and I, you know, I just can't wear, and, and it's and it's only been as a result. I'm sick. I just had no interest. And all, you look at yourself and, uh, you know, you should be in some hostage drama. So I, you know, I just got, I just got rid of that today. I feel a lot better. Um, but yeah, it's not for me. My brother wears a really nice sort of a goatee thing, and uh, he looks great in it. Yeah. You know, he really does. He keeps it nice and trim. For me, it was just n- nothing. I like remember that when you tried it. Oh, it was a mustache. And you know what my colleague like said? A porn star. That's what he said. You look like a porn star. Jeez, what a mess. <laughs> anyway, okay. Here's 
the French phrase of the day. Yes. Il y a quatre âges dans la vie d'un homme, celui où il croit au Père Noël, celui où il ne croit plus au Père Noël, celui où il est le Père Noël, celui où il ressemble au Père Noël. That is today's French phrase of the day. Time now for another Paris 2024 Olympic update. Now in, in Olympic news, um, there are quite a few um, local cultural uh, organizations that are complaining that the Olympics will be taking away a bunch of their revenue during the summer. Uh-huh. You know, like local theater companies, other cultural activities that depend on tourism and a volume of people to go and see them will no longer be able to go visit these sites or go see the play because it's it's going to be Mayhem. Mayhem. Well, and isn't it funny? There are going to be those that benefit from the Olympics and those that don't, and isn't that always the case? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they were talking about that, and there's also, they're really getting a a little bit of heat about what to do about the homeless or those that are living in the zones, the Olympic zones. In tents and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're trying to replace them and put them in, in, you know, other locations where they can get medical care and perhaps advice on employment and all that stuff. But um, the whole thing is kind of controversial. So, um, you know, they're trying very hard to make sure that this is, you know, not uh, just an Olympic thing, but that they're really trying to help those uh-huh. that are refugees and are misplaced here in France. And this is also something that goes hand in hand with any Olympics is they've got to deal with, you know, the area that the areas that are being affected by the Olympics and they've got to make sure everything's pristine and looks good on cameras and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, this is, this is since the dawn of, uh, the Olympics, really. This is one of the, yeah. And you know, I don't even want to talk about what they do with dogs, but anyway. Oh no, I know. Well, and Greece was horrible for that. As they all, as as Greece is with animals, it's just terrible. Speaking of animals, yes, uh, Gérard Depardieu. Hey, I read that there was some. I read, and I don't know if this is what you want to talk about, uh-huh. but I read that he that there was this age-old sexual assault thing, mm-hmm. and that the witness died. Oh well, she threw herself off the bridge. Oh, I didn't. I didn't read. I didn't. I didn't see that part. Yeah. One of the first accusers threw herself off the bridge into the Seine River, and she passed away just uh, this past week. Oh, my God. Um, so this has been quite a bit of drama for, for Gérard. Um, you know, they, they aired a documentary on his life. They called him an ogre, actually. Uh, and they were filming him back in in his visit, I believe it was 2018, when he went to North Korea. And this is, you know, in front of a crew, in front of people. And he just spewed out misogynistic, just really upsetting language. And so uh, uh, Gérard Depardieu was awarded uh, a a top honor in Canada. In In Canada? Yeah, in Quebec in 2002. He was knighted with uh, the National Order of Quebec. Okay. It's the highest prize in, in Quebec, and it, that started back in 1984. Based and on what? So <laughs> it's confusing because they say that, you know, it's it's what uh, someone who was born in Quebec or lived in Quebec has contributed to the 
Quebec society, community, mm-hmm. and he's n- never lived there and wasn't born there. But they, I, I guess they have the right to give awards to people who have contributed to the French language. So what? He did green card? Not, like, what What else could it, like? Well, no. They, back then, back in, in 2002, they said that he was a large contributor to the French culture because he makes so many French language films that are also seen in Quebec. So, you know, he accepted... What a reach. He accepted the medal. I'll call it the Medal of Honor. Okay. And and, and so, I guess Quebec has a long history of just giving these medals of honor out to... (laughs) (laughs) It was my school. Anyway, um, so so this has been made top headlines here, that he's been ripped uh, from the the Quebec... uh, Oh, so they canceled him out. Well, yeah, like he, he the the uh, the current premier of Quebec said that he, he his words and his attitudes don't marry with the the other laureates who have received mm. these Good. awards, so that he does not he's going to take it away. He's yeah. going to you know order that it no longer be standing, mm-hmm. and that was a big it was a big deal because you know Gérard Depardieu is huge here. I mean, he's just huge. Period. Oh, he is. But you know, he, he's he's one of the most famous French actors in internationally. Now, are there other women that are lining up for this? Yeah, there yeah. are. There are. Oh, that's there so. Are. I did not know that about that. The yeah. woman that is so horrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, these are some of them date back to. You know, two thousand seven. Some are re- more recent, um, but you know, I th- I think th- they're investigating him. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see really where that turns out. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Quebec no longer wants to be affiliated with uh, Gérard Depardieu. <laughs> Uh, so, as we mentioned, we were not able to get to an outdoor Christmas market due to me being man-sick for the past five days. So, maybe that's in the cards this week. If so, we will have it for you on Chapter 97 of Jeff and Julie Moved to France During a Global Pandemic. And we'll have it for you next Friday. A bientôt.